0: Okay, cool. Let's pray. Um, I, I want to keep going with this, with our talk of family. We've been looking at Ruth. I'm jumping into 1 Samuel. I, I think the theme of family continues all the way through. But there's something here, again, that we can learn as a family of people that have families at home but also as a family as a church. There's something that God just keeps, for me, keeps teaching and teaching and unpacking And so this is where we're going to go in just a moment. It's a long reading, and I I can't cut any of the reading out because then we miss some of it. And I don't know, I don't think I'm going to get through it today, so I'm going to be mindful of time so that I can, if I have to split it, I can roughly half split it. But again, I just think that God wants to do something in the house, and he needs to do it because he can only do it through us. We sent Holy Spirit to be our comforter and our guide and our strength but Holy Spirit lives within us yeah Holy Spirit doesn't walk down the street and tap someone he uses us yeah Holy Spirit well I guess angels can drop food at your you know at your door but generally you're getting attacked by Holy Spirit and you're bringing food to someone's house yeah Holy Spirit works through us and God works through us and so anyway, Let's pray. We'll jump in and see how we go in Jesus' name. Is anyone okay with that? Amen. Awesome. Father, I thank you, Lord, that I, I know you want to talk to us, Father. I know that you, your desire is for your children just to be in right relationship with you, Father, that we may walk and talk with you during the cool of the day. Your heart is just to spend time with your kids. And so, Father, today may we learn how to spend more time with you, Father, to hear you, to reach out to you. Father, may we today, Lord, after today, even be pruned and cut and shaped more and more into the image of his, your Son with ever-increasing glory. Father, we do pray that we would be an example to those that are in our lives, Lord, that people would discover Jesus not only in us and upon us, but through us. May people, people be blessed as we are blessed by you, we pray. In Jesus' name. So the reading that we're going to look at is in 1 Samuel It's a really emotional, it's an emotional reading, particularly for parents. But not just parents, older parents too, you know? Those that have got kids that have got siblings, older brothers and sisters, you know? There's there's some real emotion that's jam-packed in here because as we read this, there's a, the sense of there's a longing to have a child as we read it, yeah? And, and we'll, we'll get into it in a minute. But it's not just this longing to have a child. It's, okay, if I'm longing to have a child and I have a child, how now do I raise this child? And not only how do I raise the child, but what's my vision for that child? What do I see for this kid? You know, what, what is it that I see? Is this person going to be dedicated to God? And so... Yes, let's have a child. Yes, let's raise a child. But the challenging season that we live in is really hard because how do you raise kids in a society where right and wrong is not what it used to be? Yeah, What people think is correct isn't what it used to be. And so if we're running off the word of God, how do we then raise our children in that? When we want to do things this way, but people are suggesting that way, how do we how do we do all that? And, and then, as we read, then there's, we get to this point where there's a rejoicing for a young life, because this young life somehow is fully devoted to God, and that's so so important for all of us. Whether we're, whether we're a younger brother or whether we're a parent, to know that our kids can be fu- fully devoted to God. And not just our children, but you and I can be fully devoted to God because that's what this reading's all about. There's something so extraordinary as we jump into First Samuel about Hannah because... Even though she's in this phase where she has this longing for a child, and, and a lot of us have been there. My wife, Melanie, will tell you how that we had this longing for a child, and the first two pregnancies we miscarried. And so that longing in her, particularly in, in her being a female, the woman carrying those children that miscarried, this longing within her just grew. And some of you, t- some of you totally understand that, yeah? But yet Hannah gets past that she even goes beyond she goes beyond just wanting to have a child beyond the how, how do I raise him and she gets to a place where she's like, you know what God I'm actually going to give my child over to you and this this is huge this is so huge because after all of her longing and and, and after beginning to understand how she has to raise him because as we read we, as we're about to read she has to wean him, she turns to God and says, he's yours. I'm trusting his life in your hands. Phenomenal. So let's read. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. There was a certain man from Fame, a Zophite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Je- Jerahim, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, Zaph, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, the man went from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phineas. Wow, like. Man, the Israelites and their names. The two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day for Elkan- for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, which is Penina, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. So aren't you glad that when you see your kid, fighting each other than it even happened in Bible days. Yeah, So it's okay. Don't fret. Don't freak out. It happened then, you know? Just is what it is. Anyway, keep moving forward. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and she would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I lean more to you than ten sons? Once when they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. It's a Nazarite thing. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. As she kept praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked. She said, may your servant find favour in your eyes. And then she went away and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. (laughs) You know what I love? Because I'm watching my son eat, right? He'll say that he hasn't had breakfast because cereal doesn't fill him up and Making some toast from bread requires an effort, you know, to put it into the toast, to push the button down and spread something across. It's too much for a 16-year-old. But anyway, Um, she was weeping bitterly, weeping bitterly. Has anyone here ever wept bitterly, wept bitterly? I don't know about you, I'm just going to make a suggestion. Is that weeping quiet? It's an ugly cry, isn't it? It's ugly, yeah? When you're weeping bitterly. It's, my wife is beautiful, but in the times that I have seen her weep bitterly, bitter, you know, bitterly, bitterly and beautiful are really hard, you know? Out of beauty to go hand in hand. You can't can't use those words together. She's weeping bitterly, pouring, pouring out her soul to the Lord, yeah? And then a verse or two later, it says, "Now yeah, she simply goes away to eat something. <laughs> Just like that. oh, oh that was good. Whew, I'm now going to go and have something to eat. Let me say this. When you know, from the outset, take note, yeah? When we know that God has heard our prayers, we have peace, yeah? Even though her prayer, her prayer, it wasn't, It wasn't answered yet. It hadn't been manifest in her life yet, yet she walks away. Simple question. Does Father God, does Abba, does he hear all our prayers? Is there any that he doesn't hear? No, he hears them all, correct? So if he hears all our prayers, when we know that he's heard all our prayers, you and I may have been weeping bitterly, pouring our heart to the Father, but when we know... When we know that he is heard, it should give us peace. Yeah. Why are we still crying? Pain's still there, but if we know he's heard, it gives us peace. Verse 19 says, Early the next morning they arose, worship before the Lord. See, she's pouring out her heart bitterly. She knows, because it says that Eli heard her and answered her. So she knows that she, as far as she's concerned, in those days, she's been heard by God. So a peace comes over her. She goes and eats something, and the next thing that she does, when you give that thing to God, the next thing that you and I have to do, and I love this house for this, but there's still growth, there's still more, the next thing she does is she worships God. Do you know how hard it is in some churches to get people to sing out loud? Yet she's weeping bitterly. bitterly. She knows God has heard her and the first thing she does is to worship God. Man, come on. There, There is power in worship. Yes, worship's our life. I know that, right? For those watching at home, I know worship's our life. But this... Power in worship. She went and worshipped God. Worshipped. She worshipped. Early the next morning they rose and worshipped before the Lord. And they went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah. And the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. It literally, the name literally means God has heard. Yeah? And when her husband, Elkanah, went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah didn't go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I'll take him and present him before the Lord and he'll live there always. Man, he must have been a man of God to say, okay, I'm going to trust you. And you know what the beauty is too, we don't know what age Samuel was when Hannah brought him. He could have been one, he could have been two, he could have been three. Heaven forbid, he may have been four, but she had to wean him, yeah? Yeah? Verse 23, do what seems best to you, her husband Cana told her. Stay here until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, uh, an ephah, of flour, a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh when the bull had been sacrificed. They brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. He didn't even recognise her. (laughs) I love that. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he, that is Samuel, and he worshipped the Lord there. When our lives are feeling like they're collapsing all around us, the story of Samuel is an awesome encouragement. It is actually a brilliant encouragement. The whole book, it's a narrative about like succession planning and how things move forward in the things of God in the kingdom. First you know, Samuel moves from the time of Judges, when, when everybody was doing, because we, we read Ruth, when everyone was doing whatever they wanted, that was the season they're in. And it's so like the season we're in now, where people are doing whatever they want. And, and, and this, this book runs from the book of Judges through all of that, and it comes to a real time of hope, where it, it seems like there's going to be this national revival, because Samuel caused the whole nation to obedience. Samuel, he forms a school of prophets. Samuel anoints two kings. And those kings then prepare the ground for the greatest move of God in history that ultimately leads to the coming of Jesus. Do you know, not a word, if you read about Samuel, not a word of his falls to the ground. In fact, what happens sometimes, people would tremble when Samuel came into the room Because he was... The man of God for that time. He was it and a bit and a whole lot more. It was him. And some even ignored him and they paid the price if you read his story. It was a painful job because Samuel was deeply hurt because it was in his time that Israel eventually chose kings to be like the rest of the world. But he saw victories too. You know, I love the fact that what we just read, all the way through to verse 28, it's a summary of his life. And even before he has lived a single day, verse verse 28 says, his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. His whole life he'll be given over to the Lord. That's a word that needs to speak to all of us today. That our whole life. Yeah. We don't we don't talk like that in church anymore. We can't, we got kids, we've got jobs, we've got houses, we've got mortgages. You know, we can't do that anymore. I'm just suggesting in all of that, our whole life needs to be given over to the Lord. You know, in Old Testament times, God would speak through Samuel, he'd speak through Moses, God would speak through the specially anointed prophets at different times. The Holy Spirit was on a particular person, and if the Holy Spirit was on a person, they became the mouthpiece, the voice of God for that moment. And God, God still speaks through his, his prophetic word he, speaks, he even speaks through someone like me believe it or not with an Italian background but one of the greatest things of being a Christian is that you and I, all of us have the Holy Spirit living inside of us so that means all of us can actually know God the way that Samuel knew God all of us not just the leaders not just the elders not just the pastors in other churches but all of us All of us can know God in that same way because of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'd go as far as to say you can't be a Christian unless you have the Holy Spirit. You can't. Because the Holy Spirit, doesn't he convince us? He guides us. He shines the light of Jesus for us and on us. Now, even the Apostle Peter declared on the day of Pentecost, he says in Acts 2, Peter replied, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will. There's no may be in that. Right? There's no may be there, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Man, I love that. So we can know, just like Samuel knew the Lord in the New Covenant, because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit in us, we can know that God's God the same way. And once we receive his goodness, once we know the Lord, then we can't just stay there. We have to keep moving, don't we? we have to, we've got to keep growing now, don't we? His whole life will be given over to the Lord. You know, I want to say this, that if we've given, if anyone here has ever uttered the words, Lord, I give you my life, any of us, that means you give him your life. Not just on a Sunday. Yeah? Not just in a Bible study. You actually give him your life more than just a few moments. It's all of our life that is given over to him, all of it. And when we do that, that will be tested. When we do that, that will be attacked. When we do that, that's going to be a spiritual battle that breaks out all around us, regardless of where you find yourself, whether you're studying or working or running a business. When we do that, we're going to face temptation in so many ways. If we were prepared to give our whole life over to God. But he that is within us is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. I when I was playing football when I was young and young and young and and I was slimmer, Once upon a moon, I I played for a team called North Footscray. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. And North Footscray, um, our, you know, every club has a mascot. Ours was, we were the red devils. And while I was playing for the club, it used to be red and white stripes, you know, red stripe, white stripe, red, white, all that. They changed the jumper, and then in the middle of the jumper was a picture of a red devil's head. (laughs) Seriously. Now... We still won premierships, but I remember some Christian friends going, how can you play for that club with that on your jumper? You're supposed to be a Christian. You know, really simply, greater is he who is in me than he who is on my jumper, yeah? In all of life, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, amen? And this is for free. I know I'm going to offend someone that's watching at home. You can become a Christian without the church, but you cannot be an effective Christian without the church. How can I say that? Because now there are people at home saying, that's a lot of crock. I'm a a good Christian. I don't go to church every week. You know what? It's really very simply this. Because I believe that we're family, and if we're family, we need each other. Very simply that. Why do we need a church? To be effective because there are times... We need each other. I don't need anyone. I'm self-sufficient. I've got God. Yet pain is coming. Pain will come, Bible tells us. And one day you will need someone in the family to come alongside you, just to sit with you, maybe to pray, maybe to bring food, maybe to uplift you, maybe to encourage you. Yeah? We need... You want to be an effective Christian? Be in a family in Jesus' name, amen? And now this story, this story is a story of succession where from Samuel to David it ultimately points to jesus you know that that we all have this holy spirit inside of us but what i love about samuel is samuel it says right at the end samuel worshiped god he worshiped there he worshiped and he worshiped there the rest of his days he samuel was a worshiper You know, before he had a ministry, his mother had just weaned him, his mother had just brought him there, had just dropped him off there, and it says that he worshipped there. Before he had anything to do with God or for God, he worshipped. If I meet another pastor that says people don't need to sing in church, I I really think that I'm physically going to slap them. If I meet another person that goes, worship can only go for 15 minutes because people don't want to sing that long. They've got roasts to go, home. I think I'm going really, I, I to slap them. Because God loves our worship. They say that success is 5% inspiration, but 95% perspiration. We sang a second time this morning because I knew there was something that needed to shift in the atmosphere for this word. And at the end of it, I'm thinking, wow, I'm feeling a little bit warm now. Right? If you don't believe me, come closer. <laughs> Sometimes we have to work at some small things. And Samuel had the ability to be faithful at the house of God. There are people that you're going to meet in life that talk a big game, that do nothing, but there are others that just follow through with their whole life, and you know they've given it to the Lord. You know. You just know. If you've devoted all of your life to Jesus, you'll have no regrets. I promise you. You'll have no regrets. In fact, the only regret that you and I will ever have is that we didn't give our whole life to Jesus sooner. The only regret. Because what's the key to this incredible life that Samuel lives? His life that's handed over to the Lord. And I think it's really clear. And I think it's really simple. It's this. You ready? Hannah prays for him. Hannah prays for him. Hannah prays for him. Hannah prays for godly offspring. Verse 10 says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, and then, then, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. No razor will ever be used on his head. She prayed for Samuel. What a blessing it's been for those of you that have been brought up in a Christian home. Now, what a blessing. You know why? Because you had parents praying for you. Praise God for those of us that are Christians and believers and have got kids because we can pray for them. And if you have that Christian lineage, then your grandparents, your parents are praying for them too. So our kids get a head start. Samuel had a head start because of this mother that prayed for him. What a blessing. You know, one of the interesting things about the story of Hannah, it feels like a, a bit of history in itself, but it's history that's before her and it's history that's after her because God seems to play the same trick all the time for people. There's a commentator on First Samuel, he's D.R. Davis, and, and he wrote this. He uses an old-fashioned word, but you'll understand it. Barren women tend to be God's instruments in raising up key figures. I'm going to say barren women, barren people, people that are broken and feel like nothing. life is giving birth to nothing. God seems to use those as key figures in the history of redemption. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Samuel, Samson, John the Baptist. It's a pretty high proportion, isn't it? He goes on and says God's tendency is to make our total inability his starting point. Our total inability. <laughs> our total inability. You know when you're broken and you feel like you've got nothing else or you're looking at someone else and think they can do it better than me? There's nothing special about them. It's their total inability. God just wants them. God just wants you. <laughs> oh, total inability is his starting point. Where his people are without strength, without resources, without hope, without human gimmicks, he loves to stretch forth his hand from heaven. God works in a mighty way through Hannah's prayer. Prayer matters. I love that, Roz. Thank you, Roz, that you said if you get prayer, yes, do something. Do something practical, but pray. Prayer matters for a Christian. You've got to hear me. Prayer matters for a Christian. Pray for your kids. Pray for your parents. Pray for Ballarat. Pray for our schools. Pray for the world around us. Pray. 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 And, And you know what? In fact... Oh, let's make people feel uncomfortable. Put your hand on someone next to you. If there's not anyone next to you, find someone else and pray for them right now. Just to, it's a Christian church. When it's not here for, we're not here for entertainment. We're here to connect with the spirit and presence of God. Pray for someone. Who's alone? Come on. This, uh, I can see one person alone. Can anyone get there? Oh, thank you. And just pray. Pray out loud. Seriously. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for that person. That God will bless them. That their heart's desires will come to pass. And if they have children, that their children will be raised in the things of God. Pray. Our prayers matter. Bless you, bless you, bless you. (laughs) Bless you, bro. Father, bless Rick, I pray. God, his business, his family, his kids. Pray. Pray, pray, pray. It says in verse 16... 1 Samuel, do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of great anguish and grief. The world is never going to understand prayer. The world is never going to understand devoted prayer. The world will never understand a parent's devoted prayer for their child. The world will never, ever understand any of that. It's just a good thing to pray, but the world just doesn't get it. And so here's Hannah. She's praying. She's committed to the Lord. And who is it that doesn't understand? Who is it? It's the top the top leader in the nation. The person that doesn't understand is the one that you would think would be the most committed man to prayer. Like, he was it. He should have been the most committed man to prayer in the land and yet he thinks that Hannah's drunk. Man, how can you miss that? He can't recognise that there's a mighty intercession taking place in his midst. The world, oh, the world always thinks the worst of the church. The world always thinks the worst of the church. It, Jesus died for the church. And the world hates it. And here's Eli. This woman's praying, yet Eli had the spirit of the world in him. It was in him. She's there praying. She's no position. She's got no power except for her relationship with God. She's crying out to God. And there's Eli, this powerful man. The top priest. He's the one that everyone looks to. And yet the spirit of the world is in him and he's looking down on Hannah. The world always thinks the worst of the church. And worse still, here we go again, there are some so-called Christians who do the same as well. That's the spirit of the world. If a church has hurt you, find another church. It's the spirit of the world to say that the church is rubbish. You know, so the church is so bad, I'm going to separate myself from church, I'm going to do my own study because what I'm here, I don't like what I'm here, I'm going to do my own study and I'm going to become my own church because now I am doctrinally pure. I don't need anybody else. I mean, I mean the logical conclusion ultimately is to separate yourself and, and eventually you've just got a little small band that thinks the same way that actually you become more like the world itself. Yeah? And you're not in faithful fellowship. And this, this for me just shows how bad things were on Eli's watch. That he would actually expect a drunken woman to be in the house of God. I now, mean, what sort of season was that that he thought she was drunk in the house. He expected it. it would, that there's nowhere there that he seemed shocked. He goes, are you actually going to keep drinking? So he must have seen that before. But by the time we get to chapter 2, there's even more stuff that's going wrong with sin and a whole bunch of stuff. And it all happens around the courts of the Lord. But this was a it's a shocking thought that Eli would have to think that this woman must be drunk. That's how things, how bad things were in the state of Israel at the time. But isn't it even worse that he couldn't recognize that Hannah was pouring out her heart? So let me encourage us all. Teach your kids this. Yeah? Teach your youth, your cousins, your friends, teach if you've got kids people that you know in other churches, teach them this. It teach those that are new in faith this. Pour your ha- heart out to the Lord. Pour your heart out to the Lord. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, that we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Yeah, And then the NLT says, go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise Him. I love something that I heard and, and, and I, I've got to share it like this because you get people that come to church and they come late, yeah? And they go, we didn't get anything from the worship. The message was okay, but it wasn't for me today. They didn't sit in the worship. They actually came late. And again, Because people will think that I'm picking on them and I'm not. This is not criticism it's commentary. They will sit outside of the worship of God and wonder why they're not in the presence of God and not experiencing what everybody else is saying. Did you feel that? No, I did. But the Word tells us that, don't we, right here, we enter his gates with, thank you God, I love you, you are my everything. And then when we get there, it says, now go into his courts with praise oh god i just want to give it up so we end up in a place in the presence of god yeah and so when someone like me whoever it is gets up to speak you think oh man he's talking to me god's doing a work in my heart and then someone walks in and goes oh today was okay they didn't come through the gates they didn't enter the courts And so they don't find themselves in the presence because they didn't worship into his presence like we're supposed to. Praise God, Stephen. He inhabits the praise of his people, doesn't he? I mean, I know we start late here, but that's not an excuse. We start late because, you know what, we want to bring the whole family into the presence of God. We don't want half the people to sit there and think, oh, no, it wasn't all that good. It wasn't like last week. Well, last week you came on time. Last week you sat in worship. Yeah, It's not a time thing. It's, it's the worship thing. It's the giving of yourself to God thing. It's entering through His gates. It's stepping now into His courts and discovering now I'm in the presence of God. And it's in His presence that He speaks. It's in His presence that He changes things it's in his presence and he gives us dreams and visions it's in his presence I should drag my kids to church oh this is when they sleep bah humbug in the presence of God devoted to the Lord Jesus cried out in prayer so much that the word says that people were probably I think they were uncomfortable because Oh, when someone's pouring out their heart to God, it's a good thing. But Hebrews tells us, 5.7, when Jesus was here on the earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with the most silent, couldn't-hear-him voice that even the person next to him wasn't able to understand what he said. Why is it that when it comes to God that we allow our character to dictate how we worship him. Why do we do that? Jesus himself, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry to the one who could rescue him from death. We're his children. We're seated in heavenly places with him. I am no longer a sinner. I was a sinner, but I've been saved by the blood and what he did there. But you know what? Each and every day, I face an enemy. You know, that His only job is to steal, to kill, and to destroy my faith. I need to be in the presence of God. I need to be walking through the gates, ending up in the courts, finding myself in his presence. Yeah. And if Jesus, even Jesus, loud crying, I've turned this mic on just for a moment. Because otherwise I'll blow the speakers. You know what a loud crying sounds like? Ah! That's what a loud crying sounds like. God! God, my kids! They're off the road, God! They're not following you, Lord! Because when you cry, you start to cry ugly, yeah? And you're crying, and God, I need you to intervene. I need you to do something. I need you. I need your wisdom. I need you to help me bring them back. God, please, Lord. That's what a loud cry is like. Maybe some of us need to learn the art of loud crying. I'm just putting it out there. We're all different, and we intercede and we can pray quietly. Don't worry, I know that. But there are just some times where we have to come broken before the Lord. Hannah, Hannah's weeping bitterly. She's making noise. She's making noise, but her words are silent, because her lips are moving. We already worked out between us that if you're weeping bitterly, it's loud. Yeah, you don't weep bitterly and it's silent. So she's weeping. She's like, oh. and this guy, Eli, can't recognize the activity of God. I mean, God's preparing one of the great moves of God in history from Hannah's child, Samuel, to David, to the son of David, to the cross, to our access to the King of Kings. And this. This is God at work all around Eli. And he says, what's wrong with you? Are you drunk? Did you know when the Holy Spirit came upon the, the disciples that even they, they, people thought they were drunk? How far can we be from the heart of God sometimes? So let me ask you a sobering question. <laughs> oh, look at that. I knew I wouldn't finish today. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? How's it going? Look, how's it going? Because God will talk to you about you. And if He talks to you about anybody else, it's uplifting, it's encouraging, it's strengthening, it's comforting. Anything outside of those four, it's not from God. New Testament, God, uplifting strengthening, comforting, yeah? That's how he speaks to you, for you and for others. Anything outside of that, we don't follow an Old Testament God. If you follow a God like that, this is not the house for you. Yeah. Those at home, not the house for you. We believe something very different here. Yeah? yeah? How's your prayer life? Because let me encourage you, he's a good listener. Yeah. And he's listening now. I mean, I just need to encourage someone right now that you may, maybe you don't have the words when you're praying, but you're crying out to God. Like Hannah, sometimes there's only tears when you start praying. You know, those tears have a voice. At this conference yesterday, as we did the prayer tunnel, there was a young girl crying, and I heard God so clearly. And I said, God has not just seen, but he has heard your tears. And man, then it was all over, Red Rover. Finished. The reality of that, God's love broke her. God hears and he sees, 2 Kings 25, 20 verse 5. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. Maybe we need to learn the art of pouring out our heart to the Lord. Psalm 40 verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Those tears have a voice. Father hears those tears. Who remembers Rich Mullins? Yeah, I'm too old. Anyway, Christian singer. In his song, If I Stand, he wrote these words. If I reap, let it be as a man who is longing for his home. <laughs> Romans, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless grants. I don't know how I can emphasise it anymore. Groans, cries, heart. God's a God, he's a father. When my kids are crying, they don't hold back, they cry. Not now, now they're men. But when they were children, (coughs) I thought I'd fix that quickly. I know how. Pray that way with groans. And many of you probably do. Yeah? Some of us have to learn to worship. We've got to lean into worship. Some of us have to learn how to cry and cry out. God hears our prayers. The world will mock us, but not everyone will mock us. Not everyone will fail to see what God is doing. Not everyone will be an Eli. I'm going to ask the team to come forward please the worship team. When Jesus brought when, when when Jesus was brought into the temple by Mary there was another old man as old as Eli and his name was Simeon. They say that Eli was slightly blind he was you know his his eyesight was was waving but Simeon's eyesight not so much but anyway When Simeon sees baby Jesus, he says, my eyes have seen the glory of God. He could recognise that the Messiah had come. Eli was blind, he couldn't see. But what was worse is he was spiritually blind. And he couldn't tell what God was doing in and around his life. Eli mocked. Politicians mock. Lecturers at university mock. Friends mock that don't know God. And when you tell them that you're going to pray for them. (laughs) But you know what? Like Daniel, keep praying. Like Daniel, keep praying. All of us here, those that are listening at home, listen. Keep praying. You'll be safer in the lion's den than what you'll be without prayer. If we're not allowed to pray, then I want to be like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. I'd rather be like them because I won't bow down to the kings that say that we can't, that say it's no good, that say it doesn't work. I'm going to trust in the Lord because it's in the fiery furnace and I'm going to meet the Lord anyway. Cry out in prayer. And so we're going to sing Samuel's song. And we're going to open the altar. And I'm going to ask you, not just to come forward, I'm going to ask you to do something that you don't normally do. And for whatever that is for you, for some of you, maybe you don't kneel in his presence. Maybe you need to kneel and just say, you know what? I'm just in this moment, before I go home for lunch, I'm going to cry out to you you know maybe maybe you're comfortable in your seats maybe then it's stepping out into the hall into the aisle and saying you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna worship you from here maybe you don't raise your hand. so maybe today maybe today you're pouring out of your heart he's just saying okay i'm just going to do something that's going to cost me something i'm going to bring a sacrifice of praise and maybe for some of you it's just crying out to god and just as the team sings maybe it's just saying, oh lord i love you i don't have the words i don't have the voice but i love you we have to lean in and we have to worship because we enter yeah his gates with thanksgiving and then we go on to his courts with praise and in that place we find his presence so are you hungry for his presence so we're going to worship However you need to do it, you do it. Whatever this I ask you, and I heard this and it was beautiful. If it makes no sense to you, observe, but do not judge. If it makes no sense to you, watch, but don't judge anyone else. But if you know what your limitation is, step past it today and see what God does in Jesus' name. Amen.